Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. We're, we're digging into this. The, the reason we're in this series, it's really based on a question Jesus was asked. Um, what's the most important commandment? I said he was really being asked, what's the most important thing? And his answer was amazing. Uh, you can spend probably your entire life just dwelling on this one verse. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Profound and yet simple and, and a great summary statement of what's important, and it's all wrapped up for us there. And we said that in a practical way, as disciples, we can take that statement, and there's a few things that we should do every day. Um, in, in note of that, we should try and be thankful people. We always call it being thankful for at least five things um, because that reminds us of all that God has done and what he's doing in our lives and I, I think helps us to realize how worthy of our love and affection he is and it gets that priority right. That we should encourage at least two people every day because there's something in that that reminds us to love others well. And that the, the way that we can love ourselves, the best way to do that is by doing, trying to do the next right thing. That if we'll live that way, we'll find that that's the best thing we can do for ourselves uh, in the process. And so those are the simple things that we're shooting at as disciples. And yet we also have realized that um, as practical as that seems and as simple as it is, we don't always make it. Um, we get through the course of a day and we find out uh, at the end of the day, we find out that we really haven't been all that thankful. Um, we haven't encouraged anyone. Um, we haven't been doing the next right thing as often as we should. Uh, our issues have popped up. Our sin has gotten in the way. We've gotten distracted. Other people's mess has gotten in our way. We've gotten worried, anxious. All these things have happened, and we, we, we're at the end of the day, and it's like, oh, wow. And so um, we've said what we need to do is, is dig deeper and, and uh, get better connected. This really the, has been something that, that has been part of a disciple's life from the beginning, really um, uh, disciples are to practice spiritual disciplines, but the name seems to freak everybody out. But it's really about uh, connecting with God in practical and real ways. And so we're developing this thing. We've called it developing a disciple's heart, a primer, priming the, the, the pump of our hearts and, and getting those things started. And that um, we're, we're working through seven sections of Scripture together that um, we can use, I, I hope, as a primer, as a, as a little tool to help us get better connected to the Lord, so that we find ourselves, um, when we start getting distracted and off track during the day of those three simple things, we can more quickly get back on track, because we, we have a better connection. And so we, we started by uh, talking about getting focused through Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and, and what it means to get into the most holy place and all those things, and I, I'm not going to dig all the way back into that today, because it takes a long time. But uh, you can certainly go and do that, and I hope it's a foundation for your life, you know, that, that we can go into the presence of God, the literal presence of God, because we're in Christ, and that's how He sees us, and how amazing that is that we have this opportunity and that we need to take it. Well, what we started developing then a few weeks ago is the idea of getting thankful. Uh, this is the second uh, section of Scripture that we're looking at, and this is in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord 
is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that's what we're talking about now. In those verses, I think, is the is the foundation for really being thankful. Just considering those simple verses and what they mean. And, and uh, we've already talked about joy and rejoicing and what that means at a deeper level. We've talked about gentleness and how important that is in our culture. Um, we've talked about not being anxious and it's something that we all need to work on. We talked about peace last week. Today, as we move into Philippians 4.8, we're going to talk about contentment. But I know I needed to present you with a bad joke again this week. And uh, last week's was really bad, and I think I've gotten worse. I'm very excited about that. Here it is. What is red and white? Pink. (laughs) It's so bad. I laughed for about five minutes. Okay. I know you didn't, but I did. Just me, I mostly was thinking about myself telling it to you that makes me laugh. Our scripture reading for today is out of Romans 12. Uh, and this is the message paraphrase. Just the first couple of verses there. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead... Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So we're going to dig into Philippians 4.8 today. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right... Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And we're going to tie all these verses together now and talk about contentment. Contentment is found by thinking about or focusing on what's true, noble, right, pure, Lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. That's how we find contentment. That's what it looks like, is getting our thoughts and our focus on those things. The problem that we have is that by nature, we are discontent. And uh, it's, it's part of our selfish, fallen nature. And so it's something that we have to come to deal with. And then we have some cultural ramifications that go along with that. And that's what I want to talk about in our brief time today as we look in this stuff together. So the first point, first big question I want you to talk about and think about today is this. It's this. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? If you've been coming here for any length of time, you've heard me bring that question up in the last six months, probably a half a dozen times. Why? I think it's one of the most important questions you'll ever ask yourself as a disciple. Do you really want to get well? Jesus, in John 5, 6, saw this, said this. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want 
to get well. He was talking to the man who'd been a paralytic, stuck, trapped for 38 years. And the question was, do you really want to get well? Like, you know, you've been this way for a long time. Are you sure that you want to get well? And, and uh, this question is so important that, that we have to go back to it and ask this question over and over again to ourselves. Because, the, see, it's, it's do you really want to get well or do you just sort of want to get by? Do you want to get well or do you just want to kind of feel better? And it's really not an issue of whether or not you're, you're being made well or whole or healed. Um, do you just want to think that you feel better? One is very temporary and the other is eternal. And the problem we have is that we're, we usually want whatever it is that, that um, makes us think that we can experience pain-free white picket fence living. You've heard me use that before. It's kind of what we're shooting at. Um, that's the goal, that, that we really think that's what life looks like. No pain, no problems, white picket fence. Everything just... You know what I'm talking about when I say white picket fence, right? That's kind of the idyllic picture of... If you've got time to get a white picket fence in your life, you, you, you pro- <laughs> things are probably set. You know, ah, Look, even the fence is right. And, and so that's what we want. And we want to hear that we can achieve it now... But the promises, the thing, the, the, what we really want, see, is, is not promised here. It's an eternal promise. The promises of no more pain and no more tears and all those things are a promise that's coming. We get taste of that stuff now, but we live in a fallen world on a broken planet. And so even in the midst of this, though, the question has to be, do you want to get well? Or do you think what you just want is to feel better just to kind of get by? And the heart of a disciple will always choose to get well oversettling for just feeling better because one's temporary and one's eternal so in order to um, be able to consider these things we have to talk briefly about these next two points the second thing is a longing for heaven i brought this up before and i will continue to bring it up because i i'm not sure that everybody connects with what's going on in the longing that we all have for heaven second corinthians 5 1 through 5 Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us... For this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So I don't think that most people have a very good grasp on what the longing for heaven looks like or feels like. And and deep within each one of us as believers, um, there's a longing for heaven. We know deep down, deep down, deposited in you uh, as one of his kids is, is, a, is a knowing that there's something better than you're experiencing right at this moment. And, and no matter how hard we try to make everything work, it just never does. It just never does. And there's still this, this at the deepest spot, this, this emptiness. And, and we try and fill that emptiness with all sorts of things. Um, some that, that seem more okay than others. Sometimes we try and fill that emptiness by just getting really busy, by just pushing all the time, uh, go, go, go. And maybe if I just stay so busy, I'll never have to stop and feel that emptiness. Or we, we fill it with other things um, that, are, that are certainly less okay, uh, drugs, alcohol, immorality, all sorts of sin that we can think about, anything to try and 
move into that emptiness. Um, sometimes uh, we, we, we spend time trying to recreate memories from our past that seem to us to represent happier times. Uh, and I think that's very strong. And that's why um, nostalgia has such a big pull on us. It's why old television shows and stuff are so popular. And we, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that hears, you know, uh, an old series will come on from when I was a kid, and immediately I feel differently. It does something to me because it represents to me what seems like a happier time. Not that those times were, you know, those times were just as stressed as any other time. You know what I mean? But it'll connect with you. Like I'll hear the music to mash and I'll go, oh. Uh, um, uh, all sorts of, now it's even Friends, which I didn't even see that long ago, but they were on in the 90s. And I'll, I'll get nostalgic over things in the 90s. So, um, uh, these things happen, and we keep trying to recreate these, these situations and stuff because we think that those are better times. But here's the reality. The longing for heaven cannot be completely satisfied this side of heaven. And it's on purpose. It's supposed to remind us that this is not our home. This is not as good as it gets. We get tastes of eternity now as we break through in, in, uh, in our times with God and in His presence and in worship. We get taste, but we do not get the whole banquet. And rather than be consumed by trying to satisfy that longing now, which is very temporal and very selfish, what we need to be doing is the third thing, is mourning the brokenness. The, the reality that we have to face is that we, we live in a fallen world on a broken planet, and everything is broken here, including us. Everything is broken. Second Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, this is in the message paraphrase, same verse I read in the NIV a minute ago. For instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they'll be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God-made, not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. See, so if we're focused on the temporary, on living for ourselves, then what happens is we take every reminder of the brokenness personally. It's like an attack on our plans of trying to make everything work. And, and so everything that happens becomes this personal attack. Why does this happen to me? Why, why is it happening to me? And either we get mad at God and try and blame him for it, or we think we're being punished for something. But the reality is this isn't heaven. Everything here is broken. And sin is the cause of the brokenness. If you really want to get focused at someone to be mad at, then, then you know, get mad at the evil one. Because he deceived us into thinking that we could be like God. God has kicked out of paradise where everything was what it was supposed to be. And now he tries to deceive us into blaming God for the brokenness and, and to convince us to continue sinning um, by trying to be like God and fix everything in our own strength or fill that emptiness with empty things. Every tragedy... Every broken thing, every failure should just be a reminder that this temporary life will never be perfect. But in his mercy and grace, 
He's made a way for us to get back into the relationship we had before the fall. This is not as good as it gets. But you don't need to make it your life's purpose to try and fix everything that's broken right now. And that's a, that's a huge concept in, in being content. See, if you, if you struggle through life trying to fix every broken thing, and you never come to the realization that things just are broken here, you're always frustrated. And you never get content with what is going on. Things break here. Bad things happen. Tragedies happen. You're, you're, in, in Christ now, you're, you're covered eternally in Him because He's got you, and that's the good news. But along the journey, lots of stuff happens. It happens all the time. I, surrounded by stuff that, that goes on. Big, bad things, you know. We, people, people go and, and uh, leave us and go to be with the Lord. That's really hard. Um, you know, on, on more you know, temporary things, you know, our cars don't work right or something happens. And, and you know, it, um, I know I, I shared this story before. About my truck, um, my my truck. I love my truck, uh, Silverado, big big pickup truck, and, and uh, it's a great truck. But every once in a while, it does this thing where the heat starts blowing out of the air conditioner, and it's and and it's it's weird because it's split, and and that passenger side will still blow cold air, and my side will blow just hot air, steaming hot air. And even if you turn it off, hot air steeps keeps coming at you. And, and I can take that extremely personally when it happens. It can really mess up my... my and, and it's like, a lot of times if I pull off the road and turn off the car and turn it back on, it, refix, it fixes itself. It fixes the problem. And that's not so bad. I can do that. Then sometimes it'll go right back to heat two or three times. Every once in a while, it won't immediately fix itself. And I can get so frustrated. And, and it can just really take me out of my game. You know what I mean? And then I think, see, see, we have to go content. I got a truck. I can get, it takes me wherever I want to go. It runs. If it's a little hot, I can roll down the window. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to say that as the summer comes, trust me, <laughs> when it's 110 outside. And, and, and then my truck's blowing it and making it 120 inside. Um, but, but do you get it that, that it, uh, I can go all sorts of directions with that and get frustrated and get upset about something that's really trivial? Because it's... It usually resets itself anyway, and I can still get to where I need to go. And it, and and it, that's such a that's such a like American problem anyway, because you know most people don't even have vehicles. If you start looking worldwide at conditions of most people, they don't even have the problems we have because they don't have the stuff we have. Their their problems are so different, and 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 we get frustrated because things are broken and we take it personally. And you can't. It's a the planet's broken. Things are going to break. It's part of the deal. It should just remind you that this ain't heaven. It should just remind you that this isn't as good as it gets. And it should cause you to realize that you figured out that there's something much better coming. And you're in line for it. And then, then you can be content again. Then you can, okay, eh, it's just stuff. It's just things. And then, you know, it, it's harder when it's someone that, you know, something personal and, and someone we love. But even then, we know we get to see him again. And there's all these things. So, so we get to process that. And it's very important that we can get a hold of what's happening so that we don't try and, and do what the culture tries to do, which is try and get everything fixed. Everything, if everything, I think that's a big chunk of most people's lives. If I could just get everything working... If I, could, if I could just get to the magical place 
where everything was working, there was nothing broken, everybody in my life was fine and good and very good. Does this make sense? All my bills were paid. There was plenty of money in the bank. I had all my retirement worked out. Everything, every, every possible scenario covered, then life would be good. I've never met anybody that's ever figured that out. And even people that seem to have plenty of money that could figure it out, then the, then the relationships tank. And, you know, because it's broken, it doesn't work. Can't work. All right. So what do we do? Fourth, we have to stop thinking the way the world does. Romans 12.2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, the pattern of this world, don't conform to it. In order to be content, the world says, I've got to have more. But we need to be changed by the renewing of our minds, by right thinking, by keeping our thoughts focused on God, his will, and his way. Fifth point, we need to start thinking God's way. Philippians 4.8 is our, is our verse today. This is out of the message paraphrase. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. See, what really matters in life has to be the question. Um, if I get everything I want, will I be content then? No. You just won't. Because there will always be something. And, and, and really the reality is about enough, is what's enough. Um, there's two ways to get enough, to have enough. It's either get more or want less. Getting more will just take you off in a bad direction because that will be your focus. I gotta, if only it was more, more, more. Or... Wanting less, being able to settle in what God has already done, in what you're already thankful for, in, in the things that are important, simple pleasures. See, you can start thinking about how, how amazing God is. That's why we're always stressing on being thankful, because it should already give you a clue every day. If you're thankful every day, you've already started to figure out what he's doing in your life and the, and the ways that you can find contentment. What, what Contentment is found in simple things, being with people that you enjoy. Talking in relationship, sharing a cup of coffee. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do with my wife early in the morning. Um, all these things are so, so simple and yet very, very important. Learn to be grateful for what you have and what you can do. Remembering that life is found in his way and not in the ways of the world. And, and that's, our voice. that's our verse. That's what Philippians 4.8 helps us to do. You're to think about whatever's true, whatever's noble. Whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. And that's what we do. We change our minds and our focus and our thoughts. And as we do, then we're moving towards getting well, which was our first question. Do you really want to get well? It's all tied up in this stuff. Getting your focus on him, settling in on him, because that's where we find life. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you're watching my video, thank you so much for watching. We do appreciate it. We know how valuable your time is that you spent this half hour or so with us. means a lot to us. If there's anything you do, call us, write us, email us. We'd be happy to do whatever we can. We'll be praying for you. And uh, hope to see you again the next time we do a, a broadcast.